like to start with um, introducing uh, Alicia. She's actually my co-worker. Um, we worked together in Costa Rica for two years uh, at the Earth Charter International Center. And I asked Alicia to join us because this month is all about um, Become the Change. And um, for Becoming the Change, education, uh, especially transformational education, is, is very important. Um, and Alicia just is a dove into um, how change works and how uh, education, uh, transformational education is important for that. So we're just going to talk a little bit about that uh, interview style. And Renato, if you, if you, are, uh, if you have a question, just uh, let us know. And, um, uh, you know, you're always welcome to join the conversation uh, if you want. So, Alicia, maybe you can tell a little bit more about yourself. Sure. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, well, my name is Alicia Jimenez. I'm from Costa Rica, living in Costa Rica as well right now. And I um, guess what I can tell you is that from, I think, since I was a child, I was interested in and I loved everything related to nature, all animals, plants, etc. And um and I think that has stayed with me all over these years. I, my interest, because I studied biology, was to, I wanted to be close to nature, even though I, li I, I grew up in an urban area, but I wanted to be, to do something to, to be close to nature. And well, I first wanted to be a photographer, you know, but a nature photographer, that, that's what I, my, my dream, but I didn't find any any career like that at the University of Costa Rica. So I, I, I joined uh, biology. And, and I think what I wanted to say with this is that I wanted to do something to, to be, you know, more close to nature. But the more I got involved studying biology, then with my work after graduating and when I was a young professional, etc. I started to realize that if I, if we wanted to have nature around us, we had to work with humans because we are the ones who are creating so much change or so much trouble to nature that, so, so that's why I've done a lot of uh, career changes in my life uh, with a master's program in a more interdisciplinary um, program my master's uh, and then I now focus more on education and then that's why I decided on my doctoral program to work on education because I think educate there are so many possibilities through education to to change to to bring about changes that we we need and so yeah my my aim is to help protect nature but but I think for that 
we need to work with humans as well. Anyway, that's a little bit of my story. <laughs> Great, thank you. So we, in, and when we talk about nature and you know climate change and, and sustainable development and, and how animals are affected by the activities that people do, we often talk about change, right? We've been, we've been changing a lot over, you know, since the industrial revolution and not always for the good. Uh, if we're looking at nature and, and the animals that live in, in uh, our surroundings. Um, so, uh, and we often talk about, um, you know, that the how and the what, but let's start at the beginning. Why do you think change is needed? Mm-hmm. I think, um, and, I, and as I mentioned in, in, I think, an article that people in, in the network read, uh, and it's not new, new news, that we are in an unprecedented area, era of global change. Um, so the change that is happening is so fast that uh, I think it's unprecedented in human history. And, and what is interesting is that this has been recorded. There is so much studies, there's so much information available. Uh, there's so much even uh, information about the solutions that, that we should be taking, the political decisions that countries and leaders should be taking now um, in terms of the energy use, in terms of consumption patterns, production, etc. And, but what we see is that we are not acting accordingly. So, so we, there's something that we need to do more. And I like, I I want to to bring a quote quote from Gus Peth. Actually, I I was, I remember this, this quote because I was recently listening to this charter podcast, which I also recommend to all of you. There's three seasons already and there's one with Gus Peth he he was um he he was working with the government uh, with the U.S. government and then the United Nations etc he's a person who has been involved with everything related to climate change since the 70s imagine he's someone that knows so much from the high level positions and he said this quote that I think summarizes what we want to say here is he said I used to think that top environmental problems were biodiversity loss, ecosystem collapse, and climate change. I thought that with 30 years of good science, we could address these problems, but I was wrong. The top environmental problems are selfishness, greed, and apathy. And to deal with those, we need the spiritual and cultural transformations. And we scientists and lawyers, because he's a lawyer, I learned that in the, in the podcast, don't know how to do that. So, so the point is that we need a new mindset, right? That yeah. allow us to act on this global emergency we are living because the, the information is there. The information is there. Yeah. The science is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so in your um, uh, PhD um, research you you looked into the complex system of change because apparently it's complex right because otherwise we would have done it we we have the data um yesterday i was in the in the pause um webinar and it says uh now why do we need research why do we need data because then there is no discussion about it anymore well i'm not sure about that if we're talking about climate change because there's a lot of data and still we have a lot of discussion um however you looked into the complex system of change 
can you explain what is needed uh, to change? How do we change? Yes. Um, yeah, and this is a fascinating topic. I, I have to say that I'm interested in learning more. I, I think I'm, I, with my PhD, I started into that, into that area, but uh, there are some interesting theories on psychology, examples for social change. And, and one of the things I, I, I felt fortunate to know, get to know is this Ken Wilber's integral thinking framework that we can use this, this framework to, to explain the dimensions, the human dimensions where change occurs. In, in very short, what um, this theory for integral thinking is. So he considers that there are these dimensions, there are interior dimensions and exterior dimensions, that is uh, uh, the, the area where it's expressed, and then the individual and the collective. So, so for example, the first or the I dimension that he talks about is individual and interior. So is what we as individuals um, experience is our psychological traits, our values, our even spiritual uh, uh, beliefs and, you know, is what our inner us. <laughs> but then we have as well as in, in an interior dimensions by the collective is that we is more what the cultural values or the, cult, the relational as well aspects that we learn from the relationships that we have. So we start with the family and then, you know, we're friends in our schools. So, so we start to get to, 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 you know, get a lot of, well, information and change in our, in our side through that, um, through that uh, dimension and through that relation that we get with others in our interior, in ourselves. Then the individual exterior is, he calls it that it, is, is also, is our behavior, is our different values, beliefs, etc. but how it is expressed, uh, you know, in our behavior and how we treat other people. Um, and then the exterior collective is, um, then is our, our structural, the social, economic systems, etc., that we create as a collective. But the important thing, uh, and what, that's what uh, uh, Wilbur asks, uh, and he he refers to, is that all these dimensions fit on each other constantly. So when you try to understand a problem, a topic, etc., project, so so the important thing is to know that and to try to address all how the interactions of all these dimensions, how the individual beliefs, uh, values is, uh, are, are influence as well, the collective, but the collective influence individual and, and the behavior, etc. right? So, so I, I really like this because when, when we try to, to, to think about uh, if a project is working, let's say a project in a community or um, that we want to bring about change uh, related, let's say starting, you know, a garden, a community garden, for example, mm -hmm. uh, how we can 
try to envision all these dimensions to make it uh, more effective, like uh, the action that we want to, to deal. And one of the things that he, he says and he argues is that the fourth dimension, the it's, has strong is it has a um, more impact or more influence on the others. So if you are able, so for example, if we want to to bring about change, let's say that in that article that that I think you shared on on the topic of smoking indoors or smoking in planes, what really helped to bring about the big change was that the the policies and the, the structural changes in the system that were brought about. So, so yeah, the, the, I think it was the air, airplane, the airline, sorry, companies or um, different um, stakeholders with a lot of influence were able to change to make the, the right policies to you know, restrict that habit. And that brought about very easy change in, in the rest of the dimensions. So, so he argues, uh, um, one of the things that, that uh, Ken Wilber says is that if we want to, to be more effective and bring about change more you know, fast or rapid, we should try to work on that fourth uh, dimension, on the, on the structure, on the social system, on the on the, um, and well, there, there, I, I, we could talk about a lot about uh, yeah. the system, the social systems and how they have rules and how the rules can change. Um, it could be a long topic, but, but that's one of the frameworks I'm gonna close here. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, that helps. Um, so good governance is at least so import- as important as, you know, you start with yourself uh, uh, as an individual. Um, I mean, if we all start from ourselves, from our inner feelings, then uh, of course that helps too, but we definitely need good governance and, and um, restrictions on that. Maybe. Exactly. And, and, and sometimes politicians, they, they follow what they are hearing from the citizens, etc. So of course we do have a, a, you know, an, an important um, impact because if we as individuals start saying no we don't want to we don't like smoking we don't like smoking or yeah i mean I just to give up when i when i was in 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 school in in um, middle school i had teachers just smoking in class and if i tell that to my students now they're like what no way that's insane and th- this is about you know 25 years ago so it's, imagine it's, yeah that's a that's a that's a drastic change <laughs> And so, um, yeah. and the plane and the cinema and okay. the restaurants. Um, yeah, so, so so change um, can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so that was a nice bridge to um, because this the we're talking about governance. So we have an agreement, the Paris Agreement, um, Agenda 2030, in which um, we uh, the Sustainable Development Goals are. Um, acknowledged, and uh, I think 196 countries signed the Agenda 2030, including the Sustainable Development Goals. Um, can, can those Sustainable Development Goals help to achieve the change we need? Yeah, and I think um, the SDGs is a very good step forward because 
and and I think as uh, as we remember, I mean, uh, as we know, there hasn't been a, a global agenda around sustainability ever. I think this is the first time as a, in the global governance system, the UN system. So, so yeah, it's great. It's a great step forward. Um, because now, and one thing I notice, um, even, well, even here in the context of Costa Rica, but I hear it in other countries as well, that some organizations that haven't been involved in sustainability uh, are now attracted. They, they all of a sudden, because the governments are putting it in the forefront, some governments are putting it in the forefront, uh, they're saying, oh, we want to get involved. So, so we recently had um, firefighters of Costa Rica <laughs> who were not involved in that. They're like, we want to learn about the SDGs and we're, this is interesting for us. Um, and so forth. Many municipalities, for example, that were not as well too much uh, thinking about sustainability. Now they use the SDGs for the planning. And we, we know some examples about that. So, so that's good. Um, as well, if the leadership in the country puts it uh, in the forefront, right? So, yes. so there is another factor and actually just uh, remind, connecting to the previous uh, uh, it's the previous question on, on how we change leaders to change in that dimension. Leaders are very important. Leadership uh, that trigger changes that can have a big big influence. The good, the thing is that there are good leaders or bad leaders, as we know. <laughs> um, so so, but if we can promote as well good leadership, then that is a factor to shoot that can bring about change very fast. So, so around the sustainability and the sustainable development goals, uh, I think we need the leadership uh, of the countries to put it, put it. And, and now the sustainable development goals um, offer these, um, you know, um, targets to achieve by 2030. Um, but it doesn't give an, you know, an ethical guidance. And I think that's where your chapter complements very well the SDGs because uh, with the SDGs, you, you, you know how, you know, how, what is the percentage of, let's say, plastic pollution you should reduce, just, just giving an example, but what would be an ethical way to achieve that? And, and so then that's how you can complement uh, both of them. So, so I think it's, it's, it's important. The SDGs have the ability to ch bring change to these four dimensions. Yeah. It's, uh, but it, it requires, it requires some, some other complements as well, like yes. and, and their charter and good leaders uh, following it. Yes, exactly. Like we can work on um, innovations by, by using electric cars, which is um, uh, which is one of the SDGs, right? It goes about it, it talks about innovations and on how we can reduce um, carbon dioxide um, output. On the other hand, if they if the batteries are made by children in you know in a third world country, then you know um, that's what you mean when you say it it needs an ethical framework because um, you want to achieve the, the targets in an ethical way. Yeah, and, and by achieving one target to not compromise other targets. Exactly. So having this, um, 
integral view or systemic view <laughs> and to address it. Mm -hmm. yeah, talking about um, good leaders, um, that reminded me in connection with edu education about um, a, a quote, um, if we're into quotes, I'm going to use one too, <laughs> of uh, Nelson Mandela. He said, um, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Um, why is education essential to achieve the change that we need? What kind of education? Yes, and I think you're saying it, uh, Irma, is the kind of education because education can change the minds. Uh, and if you can change the minds, we just said it. If we change the mindset, we can change the behaviors and we can change the collective. So, so the education is, is crucial. But I think here the important thing is that conventional education, the convention, the education that we've been having in most, almost all, all over the world, um, is not, it has led us to a mindset that is quite problematic. And it's this mindset that we, we need to change. So, so we need a different education. And, um, and what is this different education? And I think that's how now, actually with the SDG 4, on quality education uh, under the leadership of UNESCO, I think there are good progress, I think, in trying to transform education. Uh, uh, now the challenge is how to bring all of this to all, mini all ministries of education in all countries. Um, but, um, but I think the change uh, in, in education is moving away on prioritizing only on the learning of theoretical knowledge. Yes, so I think, and this is not only me, I think that's, this is what uh, UNESCO and, and other agencies are trying to, uh, to have a, a, an education, education systems that address we as humans in a more integral way, like and, and, uh, considering and, and recognizing that, yes, the knowledge and the theoretical knowledge, the rational, logical, rational thinking is important, but we have emotions, we are, we have this physical body, we have, and we learn through all of, all, all of these um, I mean, in an integral or systemic way. Yeah. So, so it is important to to in, you know incorporate these other uh, dimensions in in the education system, and also because the ethic, ethical and value values uh, uh, reflection has been it's been it has been controversial. In many education systems, they don't want to fall into uh, into indoctrination uh, of people and say, "Oh, this is how you should. These are the values that you should have." And 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 so so this is understandable. And, and I actually agree. We don't want to follow indoctrination, but but so here is that the the key is to bring ethical reflection, clarification. Um, and so, so there are some pedagogical elements or pedagogical uh, keys that you can use to, to make people think, okay, what are the values associated, for example, with this uh, government policy around this, or what are the values associated to the behavior that I have? So you can 
bring ethical clarification and reflection to, to, to different uh, levels, from the individual to the collective, etc. Yeah. But but it's important to have these these conversations and not leave them mm -hmm. leave them behind. So yes. So values um, education is more about addressing um, the topic of values and, and ethics, not necessarily explaining, oh, this is how you should feel or this is how you should act. Exactly, exactly. I also like uh, uh, one of the things that I, I mentioned in that article from Frischoff Capra, mm -hmm. um, that he, he says that change towards a new paradigm will be from a mainly rational and analytical thinking to one that balances the rational with the intuitive, the holistic, the non-linear thinking. Mm -hmm. And it's associated with values of cooperation, conservation, and equality. So I think one of the things is important to, that we're not uh, diminishing or trying to say, no, the rational thing is not important. No, it's very important. We just need a more balanced. More balanced. And, and that's what I, I like about that, uh, yeah. that uh, ideas as well from, from Capra. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so you mentioned the Earth Charter already, and, and you work a lot with the Earth Charter. It's, it's like in your genes almost. Um, <laughs> can you explain to us what it is um, before we go into how we can use it into uh, education? Sure. So the Earth Charter, as Irma is saying, I'm very passionate about talking about the Earth Charter. We could say that it's a declaration of ethical principles and values for sustainability, for um, a sustainable world, sustainable, peaceful societies. So, so yeah, we can say it's a, it's a document that you can find in earthcharter.org uh, online. It's there. It's available. It's a, it's a document that has a preamble, and then it offers an ethical framework in, divided in four pillars. Uh, what are these pillars? So, for example, pillar one is on respect and care for the community of life. This pillar um, has like the all the essential aspects, all the essence of the ethical proposal of the Earth Charter is contained there. So if you read that, you will get the sense of what the Earth Charter is and what is the vision. And it's a vision that is more ecocentric. Uh, it moves away on the, from the anthropocentric view that humans and nature are separated or that humans are more important than uh, than other beings and so so it talks about instead of talking about nature it talks about community of life so even in the wording we can we can see the vision of the earth charter because we as humans are just one member of this community of life not the most important not the less i mean we all are important and, and the Earth Charter, of course, is, is uh, the proposal is that we should uh, be a member of this community of life uh, following um, the value of care and also to respect. And um, so that's in, in pillar one. And then it follows uh, with the other pillar, ecological integrity, then social and economic justice and democracy, nonviolence, and peace. As I mentioned, 
the s the essential part of all of these other three pillars are in, inside pillar one and but essentially for example ecological integrity it, it talks about a bring a, well it mentions a, a principles action oriented principles then about how should be our relationship with these other beings that we uh, we uh, have it uh, the earth our common home right um, and then in pillar three it talks more about how should be our relationship between humans in our social systems and and it has this value uh, that is associated with the justice uh, how we should promote social justice and also economic justice and then the fourth pillar it also relates to our how we relate between humans um, but in terms of um, our uh, how we should uh, try as well to to promote a culture of peace moving away from violence and how participation and uh, and that's how what, what's the essence in democracy like the rights for all of us to participate in decisions that affect our lives so so all of the these uh, principles are there there are 16 principles uh, the earth charter has been translated in more than 60 languages as well so it's available in you can find as well your your language there are some key messages um, uh, these are there. These are icons uh, that we launched last year for the 20th anniversary of the Earth Charter. Um, so it expresses like specific uh, or or essential messages of in the pillar one and pillar one principle one is the interdependence of all life. Uh, also, the love and responsibilities in pillar two. How we should as well practice love. Um, and um, yeah, and well, you can read. Maybe here you see it a, a little bit small, but uh, but of course in the in the website you can find it bigger and and you can read the whole the whole uh, document. Um, maybe you're wondering how this Earth Charter came about. Like it sounds nice. I hope it's sounding nice uh, to you, but. Um, and I think what is it's important, uh, as important as, as the content of the Earth Charter is to, to know a little bit about its history. Um, uh, because the Earth Charter has an interesting story. It, uh, it started as an, an idea that came, um, that, that was, uh, you know, uh, consulted and was brought to the, Earth Summit in 1992, following the recommendations of the Brundtland Report uh, that was in 1987, 1987 yes. So, so uh, in the Brundtland Report, uh, they recommended that it was important to have an ethical guidance for this concept of development, the sustainable development that was uh, expressed in that report. And that's why they, in, in some of the organizers of, of, uh, of the Earth Summit, especially Mr. Maurice Strong, who was the Secretary General, um, he, he led 
uh, talking about the importance of good leaders. You know, he had a good vision and he said, yeah, it's important to have uh, an ethical guidance for sustainability. And the idea of, of, of agreeing uh, uh, an, an, an earth charter in this uh, earth summit with government officials uh, did not come to, um, uh, to, a, to a good end in terms of the, there, was no, um, there was no agreement between the government representatives uh, there were so many different vision, visions and some countries, and you can imagine <laughs> which one um, actually said, no, this is something that we are not interested at all, at all in, a, in a declaration or, or signing or committing to uh, principles for, for sustainability or an earth charter. So, so it was not possible through the governments, but the good thing is that uh, many of those who participated in those consultations, they said, this is an important initiative. We should continue. We should try to, to have an earth charter, but now through the civil society. So then imagine from the 1995 to the year 2000, there were international consultations. And this is, I think, what is key and what has been most interesting, I mean, what for me uh, has been more interesting and makes me feel that the Earth Charter is such a valid document because it got the inputs from people from all over the world, uh, from different sectors, from religious leaders to children, to youth, to scientists, uh, educators, etc. So it was uh, such a big and global and intercultural, interdisciplinary <laughs> consultation. That, uh, that's why I think your chapter resonates with people from different cultures. I sometimes uh, get amazed when, when I was traveling <laughs> before the pandemic uh, to other countries to be, when we visit our affiliates, for example, in Jordan and then Japan and then yeah, well, in the Netherlands or here in Costa Rica. So the cultural spectrum is so big, like there's people from different uh, cultural backgrounds, but hearing from people saying like, oh, it's just the, the Earth Charter is so, it's so um, close to what we believe, it's so close to uh, our culture and it, it, it has an important message for us. So, so, so I think that's very, uh, this, this is very uh, special and very. That's why it, it, it is such an, an important document. I think um, uh, for all people, not only educators, but all people to to learn and to and and, and to take advantage. Now that is there, it has wisdom from indigenous groups as well. I, I forgot to mention that, but they were so instrumental uh, in the vision of the earth charter very interesting alicia and i i agree with you the fact that it was a um you know a, a global effort to to put together you know how should we live on this planet um i think that you know the the, the input of 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 all peoples um really resonates in if you mm -hmm. read uh, the earth charter um texts 
Um, not only mm -hmm. the principles, but also the preamble and the way forward, for instance. Sometimes we, we've been working with the Earth Charter so much that we sometimes forget, you know, you should really read um, the, the, um, the um, preamble because it's, you know, it's very, very powerful, I think. And as such can be, uh, definitely can be used in, in education, um, uh, talking about values and, and um, addressing the different principles that are there. Um, so, so if we go back to your article, you wrote um, through values-based education processes, we can recover and incorporate the values associated with sustainability, re redefining our relationships with ourselves, between us humans, and between humans and other living beings. Can you um, elaborate on that for uh, the pause members that, that work in the field of animal care? Sure. Um, so yeah, as, as, as I was mentioning, even the whole Earth Charter talks about a, a new way to relate to other living beings, a, not seeing them as... Um, there's one uh, principle of the Earth Charter that was very, very... It took a lot of time to craft because it says that all living beings have value regardless of the use or the value that we humans give them. Yeah. So, so inside that, it talks about the intrinsic value of all beings. And that is, is quite controversial, maybe for not for this group, but for other groups, it is controversial because some people don't believe or don't think that you know, uh, uh, even, you know, uh, animals under uh, human care has uh, more, have value, you know, outside what we, uh, for what we use. Uh, maybe a cockroach for some people don't have any value. But if we think about the intrinsic value of all living beings, so that cockroach that sometimes some people don't like and they will kill it in the moment they see it if we think about it it has a value it has you know a function in the ecosystem and and, and we should try to <laughs> to treat it in a way that is uh, with respect even mm -hmm. and so so it's a different way of thinking so so one of the um, so so people who have been involved especially with in the Earth Charter uh, Global Network, because I should have mentioned before that, you know, around the, this document, the Earth Charter document, some uh, organizations, individuals have signed an, an, uh, a commitment. We used to call it an endorsement or a commitment. Uh, and, and the commitment is to translate or, or to put in practice those principles into action. And, um, and there are some examples, at least I'm going to talk about two examples, actually from uh, affiliates in, in Africa, or charter affiliates in Africa, who are actually working in the field of uh, animal care or working uh, with animals with the vision of their charter. Uh, so, so, for example, in, in South Africa, the, there's an organization, Climate Solutions, and with Bjorn Heyerdahl is in the leadership. Um, he works with um, 
regeneration, uh, to regenerate soil using agriculture. And he has several uh, videos that I maybe I can share with you, uh, Idiman, Sabrina, I can maybe can share with the rest of the members. Maybe it's interesting for them to see because they're working with um, uh, some farmers around in South, South Africa in the area that they work under the concept of climate parks. And, um, and what they are, the focus is on regenerate the soil using cattle and managing cattle in a way that helps to, to, to bring more uh, life to, to soils, I mean, to, uh, to, to make it more fertile and more healthy. So, so the way they, they manage cattle, maybe this is something that is not uh, new for, for this group, but uh, just in case is to, they have, a, a, they, they allow them to be a free pasturing in, uh, free pasturing in large areas. Um, so, so it, and it has a lot of uh, positive uh, effects, for example, and uh, the, you know, is the manuring or the, the you know, the cow's poop, <laughs> it helps, and uh, I mean, to regenerate, but also the way they, the, the, how they, um, when they walk, they also allow the oxygen, oxygen to enter into them as well, the soil. So it has a lot of other technical aspects that I don't know in detail, but um, you can maybe talk with, or you can invite maybe Bjorn one day here. Um, but but one of the things that that he was he he mentioned as well to me when I was uh, talking is not to see you know the cows uh, as you know oh yeah it will help us to have a better soils etc. Um, but also the way to treat the those cows uh, was very important. So they were working with farmers offering sensitivity training for more compassion to those animals. And it was very nice. One of the, the uh, videos I saw, it was very, very nice to see as well how, you know, some of the farmers were changing the way they were looking at uh, and, um, uh, and, and working with these animals. And they also, they not only work with farmers, but also with the local schools. And, and they also have a, a video, I shared it, recently in, in Facebook and I can share with you as well. And, and also how these teachers can start, uh, uh, you know, practicing permaculture with the kids, you know, doing having a school garden. And, um, and, and so, so from the, in, in the same, in the same village. So imagine from the, when, since they are kids, so the students are, you know, playing with the composting and the worms and see how soil can, you know, regenerate. Um, and then they see the examples of how they're using the cow. So anyway, it's using the lessons of what the farmers are doing, but also what they can be doing in, in the schools. So that is, and, and the, the ethical uh, or the vision behind all this regeneration is uh, it's putting in practice what we were saying on respect and care for the community of life. Yes. Um, there's also another example, I'll mention it quickly. Um, in Zimbabwe, 
It's called Jeremoto Biodiversity Institute. And they've been for a long time, for 10 years or more, uh, in, uh, working on, on the regeneration of arid and semi-arid rangelands in, in Zimbabwe, in big areas. Um, but they are following, um, and they are affiliates of their charter. What they've been, and they say, we are not doing anything new. We're just bringing the knowledge, the indigenous Shona knowledge on grazing and land management. So apparently those people who are you know, from Zimbabwe, the, this indigenous groups, Shona, and the Shona culture, they said that the land involved with herding animals. So, so if they were saying that if they take out these herds or even uh, the cows and other to to let you know the the um, the pastures to come, they say that is gonna destroy. Like if we don't have the animals, then the ecosystem will get destroyed. So the conventional, he, so he was mentioning to me that the conventional, so the belief is that if they, we have too many animals, then there's going to be overgrazing and then, you know, the land will be destroyed. And so for these indigenous groups, that is a misconception. They say that it does, it's not a problem of how many animals are there. The problem is if you allow the animals to be in one place for for a long time yeah. so so the key is to allow them to move to move to move but it doesn't matter how much uh, animals are there anyway i thought that it was interesting because uh, with our affiliates in zimbabwe and this institute they they do use uh, research from the western uh, uh, science and and also they've been following and they uh, use their charter principles but they actually their group their base and their their foundations is more the indigenous uh, knowledge of how to relate to these animals and um, and so I thought those were good examples to uh, to use on how these principles of the Earth Charter can be put in practice mm -hmm. um, in different contexts. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, what you mentioned, maybe the, the, um, the fact that um, numerous indigenous groups were also um, part of uh, crafting the Earth Charter, um, that's why it resonates and it makes so much sense to use it in, in um, for instance, agriculture uh, or any other, you know, way of, of um, producing uh, uh, food for anyone. Uh -huh. Good. Um, so, so we talked about the Earth Charter. Um, so let's do a, one final question. Um, how how can um, you, you you explain how the Earth Charter can be used in a system of um, uh, uh, raising cattle, for instance? Um, but how can the Earth Charter serve as a tool for transformative um, learning? Mm -hmm. Well, the Earth Charter is, and we've heard this from different teachers as well. 
it's um, a great tool to clarify uh, the vision of sustainability. First, to understand. So if you read the Earth Charter, you get a good sense and a good understanding of what sustainability is. But the good thing is that with a, with a very integral view. So because you have in the Earth Charter, not only the environmental aspects, but it, you, you can use the Earth Charter to see the interconnections of the social systems with the natural system and governance systems as well, if we see the part of democracy, nonviolence and peace. But it also has, the Earth Charter has elements related to as well the spiritual aspects. And when I say spiritual, I'm not talking about religious, uh, any religion in particular, but the spiritual is like uh, the sense of being part of something bigger than me. So it goes, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way of a view that goes, you know, completely, a, a, you know, div is different from the individualistic view that, you know, I'm important and, and I will, you know, act to benefit me. But with a spiritual vision, you can say that, oh, I'm part of a bigger, something bigger than just me. So, so I take that into account in my actions, in my decisions, etc. So this, the Air Charter includes that, uh, include that, that aspect. And there are several um, mentions there, like uh, being in awe with, uh, with all what is around us. Um, so, so a teacher, like someone, an educator, doesn't have to be only in formal education, but in non-formal education, uh, can take their charter and use it as a tool as well for dialogue. So, which I think is is very transformative if you can, with your students or participants of these education processes, you know, bring bring a like a a situation or something that is happening in your context, let's say, I don't know, a new policy that is brought or new incident or something that is happening. Um, and then you can just have a dialogue using your charter as a lens, using your charter as a, as a tool to clarify uh, the vision and, and have a dialogue on that. So, so I think in, in those terms is very powerful and you can use it for, you know, as well as inspiration for action-oriented activities in your class. So some teachers are using that, for example, there was a professor in Spain using, asking the students, well, let's do a, you know, a diary, <laughs> journal. Um, and, and try to, to think about, the, choose one of the principles of the Earth Charter and try to uh, act on it and write it in your journal and reflect on it and then share. So even something as simple as that, it, it's very transformative because then the um, testimonies of, the, of uh, his students were amazing. It's like, I just didn't think about the, how I could bring this, wow, this vision, those beautiful words of the Air Charter into my daily life, but actually it is possible. So, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, being, 
respecting of caring to, for others. I started, you know, visiting my grandma that I didn't visit very often and, and started having conversation. And all of a sudden I realized I was, you know, putting their charter into, into practice. I mean, there, you could, you know, go to all different levels, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, you have, the teachers have a tool, a yeah. tool where they can draw so many, so many ways. But, but I think dialogue, promoting dialogue is one of the transformative yeah. pedagogical elements that, that you can organize in your schools or wherever you work. Exactly. I, I was, I was just um, recalling that actually two years ago was our final day of the um, Education for Sustainable Development uh, with the Earth Charter Conference. Two years ago already. Can you imagine? imagine. <laughs> that was wow, two years ago. <laughs> um, and then we had, you know, uh, over 100 people from all around the world talking about education for sustainable development, not about, but for sustainable development. Um, based on, on the SDG 4.7, actually, right? Um, and in connection with the Earth Charter, and there were so many inspiring stories and so many um, methods and, and um, you know, deep dialogue on, you know, why is this important? How can we use the Earth Charter in combination with the SDGs to, to, um, to, to sort of accelerate the change that uh, in, the mental, in the mental state or the, the, the way we act, uh, the way we behave on this planet that we so desperately need. So thank you so much, Alicia. Do you have some final remarks? Uh, sure, and I, I just invite all of you to, to read the Earth Charter. I think it's good to take the time uh, to make a, you know, pause reading about it, that is like to take the, your time to go in depth. And, um, and hopefully if you're interested, we at the Earth Charter Education Center have uh, several um, um, you know, opportunities to get, go in depth, but not only uh, through a course, but there's also, uh, we have a virtual library in our website uh, that uh, you can visit there, all those many documents, many resources there. We have a YouTube channel as well, and well, in the social media, but also in YouTube and the podcast that you already have, um, the, the link there um, to, to go in depth. And I think it's, 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 it's important, it's, it's important to, to try to clarify our values because sometimes we don't take the time to do it. And, and to reflect, to reflect on, you know, what are the decisions I make uh, in my daily life? How can I just change in a way that I could be more respectful and caring for other beings? And, um, and how I could also influence in that different dimension that we saw. Yes. And if we could influence as well the social systems that you have around you, the social economic systems in your country, in your community, that could be as well something important. You can get involved with your chapter network in the, in, the, in the website as well. There's a commit and you can, you can just send your commitment and also we'll be in touch as well with you 
uh, and yeah, and I think it's good to see that there are so many networks, initiatives that are working on this, uh, on a similar, you know, a view of changing, get involved and, and also knowing that we, even though sometimes we are networking, you know, you know, hand in hand, uh, or in a way that is uh, tangible, but in an intangible, we are all, you know, uh, promoting this transition, this new consciousness that is uh, uh, so important here in the world. So, so I'm really glad with this network, post-network and animal concepts, all the work that you do, because um, we are building, we are, uh, we are getting stronger. <laughs> Our networks get stronger and, 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 and hope, we hope that soon we can regenerate this world. We, have, we can have a more caring way to relate to others, uh, other living beings and recognize them. And yes, so, so hope we can, you know, join forces. We are joining forces already, but we, hope we, we can continue already. to do it. Exactly. We are already doing it. <laughs> yeah. Good. So um, maybe Sabrina or to still have questions. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. No. Great stories and examples. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that's the most important thing. You know, if you, the Earth Charter is beautifully, beautifully written, but of course it, it still works. And that's one of the things that we sort of struggled with. Um, you know, if you want to communicate, what is the best tool that you can use if we're talking about education, right? So that's why we, uh, last year, we, we started to think about, oh, maybe we should use more icons and more images, um, but definitely also stories. Um, stories are so important. Storytelling is so important. So Sabrina, you, you did one of the one minute videos for, for Earth Charter um, as well, right? Being the hummingbird as you are. Um, so that was wonderful. And we had over a hundred um, people, you know, expressing their, their support and expressing the voice or, or giving it voice, giving, giving the Earth Charter a voice uh, and a face. So, so people see that, you know, it's actually, no, it's a living document. It's, it's not meant to be stored, but it's, it's meant to be used. Uh -huh. Used yeah. and yeah, and then shared. So, so that's why it's important to share. Uh, the stories. Um, this, this we launched a book as well. Uh, last year, we made, uh, Irma has it <laughs> around there, and it also brings yeah. about some of the those stories of the Earth Charter in education. So, anyway, it's it's good. It's good to to exchange all of this knowledge. <laughs> yeah, for us, yes. it was very it uh, interesting to do the the ECSS. Um, to really, you know, go through all the different steps and we can make, um, make that available also for anybody who wants to go through that same process. But it's extremely helpful to, you know, intentionally do this. And then also next to look uh, not only how did we score, but then also what do we want to focus on? What are the things that we can do? And what does that then look like in practice? Um, so it's really kind of like, so what are the questions or what are the actions? Uh, and so that's, uh, that's been a really interesting uh, process for us uh, in, um, you know, in our commitment to using the Earth Charter and being a partner and, 
yeah so but it's not uh, so it's always very helpful to hear the the practical stories and examples and what other people have done and maybe to replicate it or modify it so um and also that you know irma you taking us through the workshop on the sustainable development goals and the and the earth charter so all these really you know the practical animal welfare science platform is all about the practical side of it so actioning uh, the knowledge or the concepts or the principles so um, yeah I think it's really great it's still fairly new to me I would say you know I'm still trying to really integrate it embody it action it but it's been so I'm very glad you're here uh, with us sharing and um, and learning more um, mm -hmm. because it's to very me good. especially going through many zoos and aquariums there's not that many uh, that I actually know that that are that I've heard many people I speak to haven't heard about the Earth Charter or Earth Charter International. So it's it's wonderful that we all can work together to spread the word, the message, and the actions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it, it would be great if we could have um, you know if more zoos and aquaria would would um, incorporate the the values of the Earth Charter into their daily activities, actually into their education, into the the way that. They view uh, how they can use um, their facilities as a as an educational tool, also to not only you know on on the knowledge on animals, um, but also on you know uh, the values, uh, uh, you know the, the valuable how valuable you know the community of life is. Um, so more addressing addressing the values not only the knowledge i think that would be fantastic yeah we launched as well last year a very short online course on the earth charter is very i mean you can finish it if you want in six hours or five hours and so that's also a good way if someone wants to learn more about the earth charter but doesn't want to be in a you know in a big a, in a long course, uh, but that's a, it's a short course, non-facilitated, so you can do whenever you want. Um, and it goes, goes on the essence of what their charter is. Oh, wonderful. We'll add the link to, uh, to the web page so that people, together with this uh -huh. tool, they can also find all the information. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a very important also discussion, and and Irma and I have had it um, several times actually. This, you know, the values and um, and from whose perspective are we talking value, right? So, yeah. um, the intrinsic value, like you also mentioned, right, of the animals, ir yeah, irrespective of their value to us, but they value their own lives, their own agency, um, independent from what, if they are connected to us or not, or so, and it's so interesting. To, again, if we want to make it concrete, uh, what does that then mean uh, for the animals or our attitudes, behaviors, actions towards other animals or trees, or it doesn't really matter, right? But yes. like, um, yeah, it's so interesting to have detailed deep discussions on on all these topics and and i think what resonated for me throughout this um as well as the podcast um that i did uh, with miriam 
uh, is that um, this consultation, right? The consulting, uh, and I find that such a fascinating word when I when I'm thinking again towards the animals because it's kind of hard to ask them, right? Um, but if they are the actors and the agents, then uh, how can we listen to them, right? Uh, just like we have listened to to other people's. Um, so yeah, those are some of my things that that resonate or that important that are important to me as well. Yes. So I uh, thank you so much, Aditya. That was it was wonderful. Thank you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, hopefully um, we can have you back another time uh, to hear lots of stories or lots of examples. That would be really wonderful uh, to hear more. Okay. Um, yeah, that would be really wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my pleasure. Just let me know. Okay. Organize. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much.